Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal, fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, and welcome to Wild for Scotland, a podcast full of immersive travel stories from Scotland. I'm your host, Cathy Kamleitner. Wild for Scotland helps you connect with Scotland and dream about future adventures, regardless of your travel plans. Each episode starts with a travel story to whisk you away. Then I'll tell you some of my top tips to visit Scotland for yourself. So lean back and enjoy. Let's travel to Scotland. We are back with another story from the roads of Scotland. After last week's island hopping adventure to the Outer Hebrides, we are back on the mainland, heading to what is possibly Scotland's most popular road. It has been called Scotland's answer to the famous Route 66 in America. It has made the news in good ways and in bad ways. And it has most certainly pointed a giant spotlight on the far northwest of Scotland. I'm talking, of course, about the route known as the North Coast 500. But you might have already expected this. Today's story is not about driving the entire NC500, but rather we're zooming in to explore a small section of the route more in depth. After all, that's what we do here on Wild for Scotland. The journey we're going on today is based on a road trip I did back in 2019. It was mid-April, the Easter holidays, but surprisingly warm and even more surprisingly empty on the road. So let's jump in the car and start driving. This is the slow road. I am on what is arguably Scotland's most popular road trip. Although technically, I'm not. Technically, I'm on one of the many detours from the main route. 
on a road that many other road trippers would not consider driving. And I can kind of see why. The road from Torridon to Diabig is intimidating. Narrow, winding and steep. The passing places feel far and few between and there are several hairpin bends and even more blind corners, the views obstructed by the rocky hillside. But the road to Diabig is also an absolute pleasure. A feast for the senses. Once you're over the fear of driving down a narrow single-track road, it becomes a rewarding journey with stunning views and the knowledge that you have it almost to yourself. The reward of taking the slow road. And that's not something I take for granted here on such a popular route. The NC500 makes use of roads that have been here before, of course, but only locals and a few lucky visitors knew of the beauty waiting here around every corner. It took a huge effort, local businesses coming together to promote their slice of paradise. And their effort has paid off. Since it was launched in 2015, the North Coast 500 has attracted thousands of visitors to the Northwestern Highlands. My friend Yvette and I are two of them. We began our journey in Inverness and spent our first day on the road, driving 112 miles to Loch Carron, across the Beilachnaba Pass Road, the long way round through Shieldig, and eventually to Torridon, where we collapsed in our beds. We knew this was not the pace we could or wanted to keep, and so today would be different. We hit the road, but instead of following what the map tells us is the main route, we turn the other direction and start driving down the road to Diabig. Diabig is an idyllic spot, a village at the end of a winding road. Not much to offer, but a breathtaking view. But what more could you ask for? The drive, though, makes the hair stand up at the back of my neck. I close my eyes and hold on to the passenger seat. On the one hand, grateful that I don't have to deal with the stress of driving myself, and on the other, wishing that I was the one in control. Up and down we go. The road climbs steeply towards the slopes of Bain Alleghen. Sometimes we can only see the sky through the windshield. We dodge an oncoming vehicle, making it to a passing place just in time, and pull over at the next opportunity. A wide lay-by at the top of the pass, a viewpoint to look back in the direction we just came from. From up here, we can see the rough and rocky coast and the silver mountains south of Torridon in the distance, the range we crossed yesterday on the pass road to Applecross, and a thin line that is the road along the coast from Shieldig to Torridon. Eventually, we pass two deep blue lochs and drop down into a scattered settlement by a sheltered bay. Little white cottages dotting the shore. There are hills all around on the horizon, some right behind us, some across the bay, away in the distance. Boats are bobbing up and down in the shallow water, their colourful hulls submerged by the sea. From the car park, 
we wander down to the pier. The tide is out and the dark seaweed is piling up at the bottom of the pebble beach, like a black band containing the water, separating the sea from the land. There is a small boathouse halfway down the pier. Its light blue tin roof flows seamlessly into the dusky sky. We sit on a stone wall as the sun breaks through a layer of clouds casting our shadows onto the beach. Everything around us looks blue. The water, the sky, the rocks below our feet and the hills in the distance. After a while, we return to Torridon, the same way we came, although the views along the way make it feel like it's a whole new road. That's the power of these narrow detours. There's always something new waiting behind every bend. Back in Torridon, we settle into the main route. The road now leads through Glen Torridon, a wide valley that splits the mountain ranges to the north from the lower hills to the south. There are three mountain ranges here and six Munros in total. Two on Ben Alikin, which we have just passed on our detour. Two on Liach, towering right above the village. And two on Ben A, further up the glen. They stand tall above the road, rising dramatically from the glen. Many consider these mountains among the finest in the Scottish Highlands. It would take three days to hike them all, unless you're up for the challenge of the Torridon Triple, hiking all six peaks in just one day. I think about the steep trails and challenging traverses as we drive along the road, secretly glad that we have an easier hike planned for today. We pass through a small village at the top of the glen and watch as the blue shimmer of Loch Marie comes into view, and behind it, the distinctive peak of Sleoch. There are trees left and right of the road, and so it is only as we pull into a small car park by the shore that we get a proper view of both the water and the mountain. There are picnic benches near the water's edge, and a little beach from where you get one of the most iconic views in the Scottish Highlands. But for us, a picture is not enough. Excited by what we might find, we put on our hiking boots and hit the trail. Ben A is home to the oldest national nature reserve in Britain, and also to one of the largest remaining fragments of ancient Caledonian pine wood. Some trees in this woodland are over 350 years old, real granny trees, as they're often called. But the hills have been covered by these pine trees much longer than that. They arrived on these slopes over 9,000 years ago, after the last glacier smelted, and they have been here ever since. The first part of our route leads through these pine woods that once covered most of Scotland. The path climbs up the hillside, steep and rocky, but easy to follow thanks to a number of waymarkers and cairns. 
It's called the Mountain Trail, a four-mile loop through the nature reserve, leading from the woodlands to the plateau. As we climb higher, our surroundings change. We reach the tree line and all of a sudden the views open up. Tall trees make way for low shrubs of heather. It is early in the year and the plants still carry their winter coats. No fresh young leaves, no succulent green on the branches, just patches of brown heather sprinkled with dry yellow grass. But as I lift my eyes and look out in the distance, the colours jump alive. Thousands of tiny white dots littered deep blue waters of Loch Marie. White horses riding on the choppy waves, framed by the evergreen woodland on this side of the loch. Across on the other shore, Sliach sparkles in the sun. The same hues of yellow and brown now shining golden and bronze in the light. Clouds project a playful show onto the slopes of red Torridonian sandstone, an ever-changing pattern of darkness and light. The path becomes rockier with every step we take. We know from a sign that we've climbed a mere thousand feet above sea level, and yet we feel immersed in the high alpine landscape seeing almost eye to eye with the peaks of Slioch across the loch. Quartzite rock, over 500 million years old, covers Binae like a white blanket, making it distinctly stand out from the other mountains in the area. Back in those days, this rock lay a sand at the bottom of an ocean, home to thousands of little organisms that dwelled under the surface. Today, we can still see signs of these life forms, tiny bubbles of released gas, the tops of small burrows, the remains of tubes in which these worm-like creatures once lived. They're all molten into this rock, leaving an obscure pattern of life on this now lifeless-looking landscape. But lifeless, it is of course not. Buzzards and ravens, rare dragonflies and deer call this place their home. However, we see none of them. We've now reached the highest point of our climb and the path flattens as we make our way across the lunar landscape. Here and there, I spot a bright yellow plant on the ground or spots of green lichen on the rocks. The wind is so strong we can lean into it with all our weight, our hair flying behind us. In front of us, the peaks of Bin A rise from the plateau, their north-facing slopes still covered in patches of snow. Below them are lochs, shallow waters that reflect the grey rock, like a silvery surface shining under a bright light. Eventually, the trail starts descending, steeply back towards the woodlands, down into a gorge lined with pines and filled with the rush of water. Large slabs of rock form the path through the woodland, and here the first gorse bushes are brightly in bloom. 
the alien landscape of the rocky plateau, feels miles away once again as we return to our car, equally tired and buzzing from our hike. Back on the road, we stop one final time to get a look at the mountains. Sliach is still standing tall above the loch, white horses still dancing on the waves. With only a few hours of daylight left, we leave the main road behind one more time. One final detour to follow our nose. Over a bridge we go and we're back on a single track road. The road to Red Point is just nine miles long, but what a stunning journey it is. Breathtaking views to the Isle of Skye and its neighbours, Rona, Razi and Scalpy. Idyllic villages scattered between farmland and the coast. Traditional crofts and whitewashed cottages, sheltered bays filled with colourful sailboats and rocky islands. We drive as far as we possibly can and follow the final few hundred metres to the beaches on foot. Below the grassy path, patches of sand start taking overhand. It is different than the sand I know from other beaches in Scotland. Not yellow or white, but a bright, rusty colour. Orange and amber, or red like its name. We walk through the dunes, past a pile of round stones that are buried by the ever-shifting landscape of the sand. There are furrows on the ground, straight lines following the rise and fall of the sand shaped by the wind. Near the water, I see a row of deep holes, equally spaced, the remnants of footsteps. The tide is moving out, but where the waves still reached a few minutes ago, a thin layer of water turns the surface into a mirror, reflecting the blue and white patterns back at the sky. Little pools form where the sand dips below, and patches of red-brown sand appear where the water seeps away. The islands on the horizon have melted into the dusky fabric of the sky. Unlike earlier today at the port of Diabeg, I see an empty horizon, a dark line clearly separating the sky from the sea. Gently, waves are lapping onto the shore, breaking just a few metres away from me on a sandbank. A lone gannet cruises in and out of sight, its black-tipped wings hard to miss. There is no one else on the beach, and we have the place to ourselves. That's the reward for taking it easy and following the slow road. I hope you enjoyed this road trip to the Northwestern Highlands. I have to be honest, I wasn't entirely sure whether I should include such a popular road trip in this season. But I hope that this story will inspire you to slow down 
when you follow this route. The road from Lower Diabe to Red Point is only 45 miles, but as you can see, there is a lot to do along the way. You can find the link to the hike we did at Ben A and many more of my favourite stops and walks along the North Coast 500 on my Scotland blog. I'll put the link in the show notes. But before we get to my top tips for this epic road trip in northwest Scotland, I want to tell you a story about our sponsors. Now it's time for the practical part of the show. Here are my top five travel tips to take on the North Coast 500 responsibly. Tip number one, take your time. Personally, I recommend taking at least seven days to drive the entire North Coast 500 loop. That's the amount of time we had. And even at that, it felt a little rushed to me. There were so many places I wanted to see that we didn't have time for. If you have less time, I recommend focusing on a section of the route and exploring that more in depth. It means that you have more time to see places, try activities, drive detours, browse villages and actually spend time making a connection with the places you visit. Tip number two, book well ahead. Since our road trip in 2019, the route has inarguably become even more popular. Whether you want to stay in hotels or B&Bs, hostels, campsites or caravan parks, you have to book your overnight stops in advance. This is particularly true in the summer and during school holidays, but increasingly also when you travel in off-season. Tip number three, follow the road advice. Small roads, like the road to Diabeg, are not suitable for large motorhomes or caravans. The road is simply too narrow and steep, and the passing places are not wide enough for these large vehicles. Equally, if you are an inexperienced or nervous driver, you should probably stay away from such challenging drives. There are signs along the North Coast 500 pointing out such roads to drivers. So if you feel that, for whatever reason, you shouldn't be driving those, please stick to the main road. Tip number four, book a mounted guide to hike in Torridon. If you want to hike the Torridon Mountains and do a little more than our trail, maybe bag a Monroe or two, I recommend hiring a local hiking guide. Not only will they keep an eye on your safety, they also know these hills like the back of their hands and can tell you all about the local wildlife, show you the best viewpoints and make sure you have the best day out in the mountains. I will link to a few local guides in the show notes. Tip number five. Consider your impact. Last but not least, I could not leave you without an appeal to really consider your impact as a traveller. The rising numbers of visitors have been great for many tourism businesses in the area, but it has also had some negative effects on the environment and local communities. When you travel the North Coast 500, take a moment to think about your impact, how you can minimise the negative and maximise the positive effect that you have on nature, local businesses and the people who live in the areas you visit. Of course, this is true anywhere in Scotland. In this week's newsletter, which goes out on Thursday, I'll share with you some articles and resources about the impact of tourism on the Northwest Highlands, but also how you can be a more responsible road tripper. 
Some of these might be things you never thought about before. So do sign up if you haven't already and check out the links I'll share. And with this, I send you off to dream about your own trip to the Northwestern Highlands. Next week, I'm taking you on a road trip I always knew I wanted to do, but only had the chance to actually experience earlier this year when Scotland finally came out of its long winter lockdown. I can't wait to share that story with you. Thank you so much for listening to Wild for Scotland. If you want to support the show and financial giving is in the cards for you, you can become a Patreon for £3 or dollars or euros per month and get access to bonus content. You'll find the link in the show notes. Wild for Scotland is written and hosted by me, Cathy Kamleitner. Fran Turowskis is the producer and editor of the show. Podcast art is by Lizzie Vaughan Knight, the Tartan Trailburner, and all original music is composed by Bruce Wallace. Until next time, when we travel down a different road in Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland. And it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmesee.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.